This episode of the Red and White Podcast is brought to you by Will Sossaman, commercial real estate advisor at Phoenix Commercial Properties right here in Raleigh. Will is a huge Wolfpack fan and NC State alumni whose passion is helping buyers, sellers, landlords, and tenants find clear strategic solutions for their property needs. If you're thinking about leasing, buying, selling, or even investing in commercial real estate, you need a local professional with superior market knowledge on your side. Give Will a call, 919-632-6953, and I'll link his email address in the description of this podcast. Remember that when it comes to commercial real estate, where there's a will, there's a way. Go Pack. I was raised by the wolves. 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 Eight seventy-four. Run through the night, playing with your life. Go against the pack. That's risk in your life. All right, folks, we are back with another edition of the Red and White Podcast. I'm your host, Evan, here with Will, and there's. <laughs> There's a heated discussion going on right now in the pod chat that I might have just started with my comment that Devin Leary is not very good. I'm watching the <laughs> UConn game back, and the first throw to Thayer Thomas scored on touchdown was severely underthrown. But the reason I, I said all that is because I went back and I was looking at the PFF grades and Devin Leary scored a 56 PFF grade. Yeah. He had a low QBR too, which is interesting. Cause you like go back and look at the numbers and it's pretty fine. I don't know. Do you have the stats for the game? Uh, his stats. Yeah. Yeah. Just his raw ones. Yeah. One sec. Also, I don't care that the ball was underthrown. Yeah, you got a better chance of catching an underthrown ball than an overthrown ball. Uh, I thought I had a stance. Look at that, man! How much do I have to vamp for you to pull up stats? Come on. (laughs) Just fair warning to everyone listening: I've had a a hefty pour of whiskey. I'm ready to rock and roll. It's Clemson week. I'm gonna pull the ESPN box score here. Uh, So if I come hot into the mic. Too much. 32 of 44, 324 touchdowns, interception, QBR of 56. Yeah, like, say that again 324 touchdowns, one interception, and it's a Mm -hmm. 56. Yeah. What else are you supposed to do? What's his, what was his completion rate there? What was it? His completion rate, 32 of 44. So, like, 70%? 64%. And that's a 56. Season? Yeah. His season QBR is 48.5. I don't, I don't, I'm like, I don't know. And the reason I started this debate because I looked uh, at his, his PFF score and I'm thinking, what the hell, man? Like he, I don't know. That was severely underthrown ball, but we haven't, why haven't we hit any deep balls? It still blows my mind. And I can't think it's, I don't think it's the cast, right? Everybody, the, the wide receivers are taking a, beating and i i do think there is some issue with the wide receivers i don't think it is all on the wide receivers because we had this last year with him throwing jump balls to Emeka. like it's yeah Emeka's better than all these dudes that are still here like i here's the reason i think the cast is to blame not the cast 
their skill set per se, but it's the rotation of the cast. Like we're four games into the season and probably last game and I guess ECU is probably a pretty good tell of who the actual starters that we're going to lean on are going to be, right? It's going to be Carter, Thayer, Lassane, Jones, and a little bit of Rooks. Like, there was hardly any time in there for Anthony Smith and Julian Gray, which I... Maybe for the Clemson game, that makes sense, but honestly, I I, I still am just not really seeing it. Like, the, the rotations are, are really still bothering me. Um, I... I and Lassane in particular, I do not feel like we're using him right. It just doesn't feel like we ever get him in the right positions. Um, like I, I don't care about the underthrow. I'd rather him over- underthrow balls than overthrow. Like no joke, right? Like we can't catch balls that are overthrown. And I guess I mean he missed there on a wide open route where he overthrew him, right? And if he underthrows him, okay, yeah, he doesn't get any yards after catch, but it's like a twenty-five yard route. At that point. So, you know, that's that's where I think the rotations have really impacted his timing with everybody. Like his timing with Thayer should be good. But I just think when you're constantly changing the cast out there in those first three games, really first two, or sorry, middle two, it's just going to be hard to really get a rhythm and get tempo with everybody. So I'm not surprised. But I mean, here's the thing. Like if you're telling me a bad game is... 64 plus percent and four touchdowns and an interception, whatever, dude, I'm taking it. I don't care. Um, that's good enough with this defense in most games. Um, the, like the, the bigger question is, and we've talked about this, right? The, the offensive explosion, explosiveness, like yeah. where, what are we missing? That's I'm still trying to figure that out, All right? Because I've watched this game and it was fine. It was what we were expecting against UConn. There's nothing that I, you know, really can take away from this game about you know the overall team, but it still still feels meh to me. I don't know. I don't know I, why. I think a part of it is again. The guys like your, like the UConn game, there's, and even the Texas Tech game, if you go back and look at that, right? Some of the deeper shots you take are like, Texas Tech, we took shots to Lasane. In UConn, we took multiple deep shots to Thayer. Like, those aren't the guys that I'm thinking you should be doing that for, right? There's been a, there were a couple where Thayer and Lasane can't get any separation on some of those shots. Where I'm thinking, boy, Anthony Smith seems to get open on those. Like, I know everyone's like, oh, Anthony Smith drops them. But at least Anthony Smith is open so that if he doesn't drop it, he's got it in that basket and he's going. So, like, a lot of it, I think, is like, I I just don't understand why we're using the personnel in certain ways. Um, Maybe it's to be unpredictable and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, I guess. But, like, I just don't think we're running in an optimal way. Um and it's like, you know, what are you trying to be? Like, if you go back and watch the Clemson-Wake Forest game, it's like Wake Forest was totally happy to be taking one-on-one shots that are basically jump balls and hoping they get P.I. and, you know, and then maybe they catch it, whatever. 
you know, it, it doesn't seem to be like our design because it feels like if you go back throughout the whole season, it's like, I know Anthony Smith got grabbed against Charleston Southern, but like, I'm, I'm having a hard time thinking of any time else this year that we got pass interference. Like what causes it, it, that? Yeah. You know, it, it jives with the history too, right? We just have, we've just not been a explosive vertical team. And I, I don't know. I just keep, I don't know. I keep watching these games waiting for it to change. <laughs> I don't know why, but I, I am. And I saw this one. I'm just like, yeah, I mean, we're the I, same. It's, but it's the way it's, it's the way our scheme is built, right? Like I was having to go like defend this crazy statement that I made today on the IPS, where I basically implied that if I was a wide receiver recruit, I'd be more interested in playing in wake forest or, Tennessee or Ohio State's offenses than NC Certainly. State, right? And and the the theory or the reasoning is because look at the distribution of passes and the way that we attack teams. Like, I mean, right now our top five, like obviously it's a quarter of the way through the season. Everyone, we know this is limited sample size, but welcome to football. It's always going to be limited sample size. You know, right now, Thayer Thomas has 15 receptions for 217 yards. Devin Carter has nine receptions for 117. Demi Sumo has six for 102. Jordan Houston has six for 82. Keon Lassane has nine for 82. Like, it's not a good sign when two running backs are in your top five receiving four games in. And it's not like we've played against really strong competition at this point. You've had two gimme games. And you've had ECU, which is tough game to open the season with, and Texas Tech. You know, so, like, everyone's been saying this for years. You can go back and look at Philip Danford's charting in the passing game. You can listen to some of the podcasts out there. We throw the ball a lot to our, our running backs, you know. And just in general, passes to your running backs are not going to be large uh, uh, gainers by any means. They're going to they're extensions of your run game. So it's going to kind of bring your explosiveness down in some ways because you're taking those targets away from wide receivers. And then you factor in that our wide receivers in general have always struggled with separation. You know, even the really good receivers and Kelvin Harmon and Jacoby Myers and Emeka Mezzi really didn't often get much separation. They were often contested catches, 50 50 balls like whatever they caught them and they made the the offense continue to convert and move the chains. But like, we've been like a crazy third down conversion offense. And instead of being in, in third and short, a lot of times it's been third and long. And so, you know, it's just, it's just the product of the system we've run over multiple coordinators. We just don't have an explosive passing game. And in either that is because you have not gotten explosive wide receivers or you have not schemed, an explosive passing game. Yeah. And I think it's, it, to me, it's gotta be systematic. Like you said, it's, it's been inconsistent over the years, but you know, the reason or the excuse rather that we had in the bass was, you know, Ryan Finley can't throw the deep ball, right? That was, that was that one. We shouldn't have that same, that, that same conversation with Devin Leary. Cause obviously he's got the arm strength, but, so it's got to be scheme related. I, I'd like somebody who is more well-versed on the technicalities of football to answer this question, but I'm curious if it's speed or if it's route running or if it's schemes and route trees that 
get separation, right? I, I, just saying we don't have the guys getting separation. Like, like you said, we have Anthony Smith and some other fast guys. Why are they not getting open? I, I mean, doesn't it like when you watch other games over like the last four years in particular, like there's certain quarterbacks that throw, I don't know what to call it. A moon ball, you know, a high arcing pass that then drops down in their wide receivers breadbasket far down the field. And it's an easier catch and they, and they run it in. And it seems like Devin Leary is throwing on a, a lower trajectory, much more power. And so like, I don't think he gives his guys a lot of time to adjust to it. While some of these other teams with like inferior quarterbacks from like an arm talent perspective, I mean, just throw up those high parabolic balls. I don't know what to call them that then just come down like straight down right into the receiver and they either get a jump ball or, or, you know, like Sam Hartman does it. uh, Sam Howell did it, Um, you know, but then there's other passes that they can't seem to make too. So like, I mean, it's a trade-off, but it's just, to me, it's almost like, can Larry throw that kind of ball, you know, or is it that these other teams really just like practice it over and over? Are they just throwing to specific spots, for example? Um, and they just know that, Hey, I throw this ball with this much arc in it, this much speed, and it's going to come down relatively in this spot. And my dude's either going to jump up and get it or get past interference, or maybe it gets broken up. But like, it doesn't seem like those are intercepted a lot. Um, and it just, I don't know. I, I just haven't really seen Leary throw that kind of ball. So I, and, and neither did Finley either. So I, I just wonder if it's just something that's just a skill set. Some quarterbacks are really comfortable with it or not. And it can kind of really make up a lot of, I don't know, intangibles for wide receivers. Cause it kind of takes all the guessing out of the game for the quarterback and the, the wide receiver. I know we have some football savants that listen to that. So hopefully somebody will get back to me with an answer there. I think there's a, I'm, wow. I'm super curious. You hear that, everyone? That. I'm not a savant. No, that like hurts. some real football, some football coaches, <laughs> and some former players. I know. Listen, uh, you know, looking at again, looking at PFF grades, two of our lowest of the year, or I'll just say our two lowest categories of all year have been passing on offense and tackling on defense. Kind of weird to me. Wait, wait. Okay, so they're saying we're not tackling very well. Yeah, missed yeah, tackles. Fuck that. I'm sorry. Sorry, mom. Um, whatever, dude. This defense looks good. They look look fine. I guess we'll find out against Clemson in a hurricane, but um, we look good tackling at this point. Good enough. Like, we're like top 10 nationally in defense. How much better could the tackling get? It's probably Tanner Ingles' fault. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get our, little, in, I our could, little rocket. <laughs> I'll get into missed tackles and whatnot at another point, but I don't know. He's got 20 tackles. He's only four off the lead. Derek Drake Thomas is 24 for the season. Pitts 17, Fagan 16, Jalen Scott 14. Yeah. Who's the top two again? Drake Thomas, Tanner Engel. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I mean, <clears throat> I don't know, man. It's like you go back and watch the Texas Tech game and you watch this game. It's like, are you, is there really anything to complain about on defense? Like, really? 
No, and I get it. Dave called out tackling, and that's yeah. You know, the PFF grade kind of reflects that. I don't. I don't think they're a bad tackling team, but I. I do think they've missed some tackles, and it'll get better. I mean, they'll have a perfect opportunity in the next several games because they'll be facing a lot of more running quarterbacks and maybe an opportunity to tackle on space. Yeah, so maybe they can show off. Going back to this UConn game for for a few minutes, um, I'm just looking at and watching the game. I was kind of surprised to see this stood out to me when I look at these PFF grades. Michael Allen was the second highest graded player on all player on the team. He graded out at eighty two point three, and I will be the first to admit that I thought he looked really good. Because I've been Michael Allen skeptic just based on his high school film and what we've seen of him. I thought he looked a little slow and I, I just didn't see it with the shuffle steps, but he looked legit. He looked quick. He had seen that good vision, find the holes. Like I, I'm surprised he's not on the field more already. Yeah. And I know they're probably using for the four games and redshirt him, but man, he looked really good in limited reps there i yeah i think his uh high turnover footsteps are what throws you off um to me i think that's gonna lend to him being more balanced and uh and able to cut and react so i guess i was never really that concerned um to your last point i don't think we should be thinking about redshirting guys that can run the ball well I agree like that's the one position that like I would think categorically everyone understands they're the most likely to leave as soon as possible to get to the NFL. So use them as much as you can. And so if, if he's ready and if he can contribute in more than just, you know, I'd like to, I guess maybe go back and see like, is UConn still have their starters. And at that point or not, like not like it really matters because it's UConn, but it'd be good to understand if like he was going against experienced bodies or not, but I mean, if he, he can our, contribute, he's our leading rusher. Playing. What'd you say? He was our leading rusher, ten for well, ten for sixty six. Yeah, but we only let Demi Suma run four times because. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I get it, but he, you know, he looked good. I no, I, really, I mean, I guess really what I'm surprised. saying is, there's no point in protecting a guy and holding him for four games. Like, if he can give you good runs, better than um, Mims or uh, Delbert, whatever I can't. Demarcus remember those, Jones. Right? Demarcus Jones. Jeez. Got too many Delberts and D's. Um, got a Demi, a Delbert, a Demarcus, Devin, Dylan, Daryl, Devin, man, Derek. We're all about that D. Devin. Um, yeah. So I would say just freaking play him if he can play, man. It was good to see some fresh legs out there. Um, he looked real good. Yeah, I agree. Other highest grade, other high grades. I'll read you the top ten. Thayer, Michael Allen, Timothy McKay. Timothy McKay, who got the start at right tackle. I mean, he's been playing real well this year. Friend of the Kinda pod. Su- yes, yeah, friend of the pod. Surprised. <laughs> yes, like the Boneyard guy. Friend of the pod. Uh, <laughs> Timothy McKay, Demi Sumo, Delbert Mims, Devin Carter, Grant Gibson, Keelan Sane, Demarcus Jones, Porter Rooks. Devin Carter seemed to be somewhat engaged in this game. Good thing to yeah, see. Yeah, because we decided to finally throw at him. Like... The more I thought about it, like watching that Texas Tech game, and I remember seeing it in person and being like, why is he so pissed right now? And like, I totally get it now. Like if if after 
if after three games, like the the team is still on the, we got to go throw it at everyone else, Devin, and I want you to just go run out there and just waste your time and energy. Like I get if he was frustrated because like we finally treated him like he was supposed to be part of the plan. Right? Like it was noticeable that we were actually throwing the ball to him. I mean, he and poor Rooks both got five receptions. Port Rooks had some nice yards after the catch too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he looked like he was running hard. I mean, it was, it was strong. I was trying to pull up his target numbers. Rooks had his first career touchdown, which is ridiculous because he caught that touchdown against Virginia. Yeah. Like, I'm like, I'm sorry. I will never forget that. That was egregious. Um, I really, yeah, I really liked seeing, I, here's the thing. Like if, if Devin Carter will just always act the way he did in that game, just constantly flexing and just in that energy mode. Yeah. Like he will be great all season. Like sometimes I don't know if he just kind of loses that energy somewhat, but when it's there, it's great. I love seeing it. Cause like, frankly, like the whole wide receiver core has acted like a, just like they could just couldn't care less at times it seemed. So at least he showed like some passion out there. Five receptions on six targets. So exactly what yeah. we talked about last week, he was inefficient and disengaged. Looked like he had, a he got it, whatever it was back. Yeah. Good for him. You watch uh, how Stella got her groove back and he was like, this is it. This is how oh I do Lord. it. Yeah. Any other takeaways for that game before we move on? I, I, Oh, can we talk about the fake field goal? Oh, I guess we got to talk about the stupid fake field goal. Would yeah. you have kicked? Would you have kicked a fake field goal against UConn? I would have kicked the field goal. Is what I would have done. Yeah. I wouldn't have. I mean, like, I'm just sorry. I just I'm not going to take someone who has had an injury history. I don't care if the injury is because of tackles or because of kicking. I would not have asked them to try to run that that kick there. The other, my other problem with it is. If your argument is I did it because people have been rushing us like crazy and coming off the edge, then okay. How come when you ran it, UConn wasn't coming off the edge at all? And by the way, the previous play, previous kick, they weren't coming off the edge like that either. Yeah. Like to me, run it when they're doing that and penalize them for it. Like do it do it in the three previous games when people are doing that. That's what really annoys me is just the to me it came across as Dave Dorn really just for whatever reason was like, I should go run a fake field goal for some reason. So I'm going to go do it. And I'm sure part of their mindset was UConn sucks. And I'm sure our kicker can either get the first down or get a touchdown. So who cares? Let's roll it. And then they literally ran it into the waiting arms of UConn, um, which tells me that they didn't do their research. They didn't think about it. They just arbitrarily decided to call the play. So it was a really, really dumb play. And I really hope that Chris Dunn is not injured for a monumentally stupid play when you're up 30 points already. Like, that's the other factor. You're you're up so many points. Why would you do this? Like, hey, guess what? Like, fake field goals, like, they don't work all the time. They're If they worked all the time, people would run them more often. There's a whole reason why you don't see fake field goals that often and to do it in a freaking meaningless game in a meaningless situation. Just so dumb. Like, but will, but will we have to put it on tape that I don't understand. That's insane. No one's going to guess what? Um, everyone's going to go try to block your field goals because your kicker can't even get three yards. Running the ball. 
Like, oh yeah, I'm sure that's going to really scare Clemson or FSU. That's just, it's just crazy. That, that was, when he said that, I was like, you might as well have just said, Dave, that I just, I just figured UConn sucked. Because who's going to go be like, oh, you know what we got to worry about? Dave's so unpredictable. He's beating the crap out of a team. He might kick a field goal. Oh, or maybe he won't. Please. Please. I thought the whole thing was strange from the timing, from the execution, from his post-game comments. I like, you know, I love Salty Dave. I thought that was a weird place for him to be. Why are you asking me about injuries, right? I mean, Chris Dunn came up and he's grabbing his back, his hip area, you know, clearly not okay. And yeah, the the reporters actually did their job for once and asked a relevant question. And he kind of blew it off like, we just beat UConn by 30. Why, can't, why are you asking me about injuries? Well, you know, you got Clemson next week and you know the kicking history. If you're going to run it, run it with your backup. Run it with somebody somebody else. Put Anthony Smith in there, right? I mean, like, see if, they, see if they're paying attention. Yeah. You know? Like, things like, you're supposed to beat the crap out of UConn. Like, nothing about that game was impressive, Dave. Like, that's why it... That's why I knew, like, something was up. Because him getting all self-defensive in that moment of... Oh, I can't believe you're bringing up injuries after a game like that. It's like, well, that game was boring, Dave. The game was like, really boring. You beat the crap out of a really bad team that's gotten the crap kicked out of it three of the last four weeks. Like, there's nothing impressive in what you just did. You know, like, I'm sorry that everyone wants to is curious about a very important part of your team clearly looking hurt, you know? Clearly interested in Demi Sumo, the star running back this year, coming out a little hobbled. Devin Leary taking a lot of shots unnecessarily in the fourth quarter against a team that you're dominating on because you wanted to score again. Like, why? Who cares? Just take the W and get out of there, man. Like, it's stuff like that where I just go, man, like this staff is just so clueless sometimes. Like, I don't know how you can be so good at your job to consistently win and then do stuff like that. Like, it kind of explains why we probably haven't gotten over the hump that we should get over with the this, this staff. Because it's like they just do stupid things like that. Think about the long term. Like, what if any of those players are out for one game, two games, four games against UConn? That's so frustrating and if i was a reporter i would be a like asshole in that interview with him and be like i'll tell you why we're asking dave because there's a lot on the line this is supposed to be an important year and you just threw dudes out there i guess just because you wanted to either reward them or reward yourselves when you didn't need to you could have been playing the the freaking backups from the second quarter on just drives me nuts man that is, I don't often agree with Ethan from IPS. I don't often agree with his takes, but he had one on their post game pod so where it was a good point. Yeah, it was a real good point. You got Devin Leary in there playing with the second team guys. Why, you know, last week you were talking about chemistry. They need to build chemistry with uh, Devin and Porter and the other guys. 
why is Devin Leary in there with second team guys so deep into this game? I thought that why was really is, weird. Why is he throwing to Jalen Coit? I think is the way he phrased it. And I was like, yeah. amen, man. Amen. Yeah. Like, why are again, backup? Uh, he's getting again, weird crushed. decisions, right? It's just, there's a couple of them that I just thought were kind of perplexing. I, I wouldn't have run that fake. I wouldn't have run it with a hurt kicker. I, why I would have gotten MJ Morris more more reps. I mean, just I all these things. Like that game was boring as hell. There was no no flow to it. Late, they put in Jack Chambers, which is probably another discussion. And I don't know. It was the whole the whole thing was kind of weird. I would have put kind of left a sour taste in my mouth after watching it. Yeah. If you really want to run a fake to put it on tape, I would have put Colin Smith in and I would have let him kick a field goal. Kick it, put it through the uprights, put it not through the uprights, doesn't matter. Then run the fake on the next one. Right. You know what I mean? Like, make it look like you're trying to see what your kicker can do. And then you're like, hey, I didn't appreciate I didn't appreciate how they were trying to block my backup kicker. So I want to put this on tape. Like, again, I, I think what frustrates me is when I went back and just looked at those kicks quickly throughout the game. They weren't coming off the edge the way he was talking about. Yeah. Right? Like, it's just, it was just a weird justification. Breaking news, Coolio just died. Why? Why? Why can't this <laughs> year give me a break? Coolio you know, died. I'm already having a tough time with our family. And now, Coolio? Unbelievable. Just unbelievable. Hold on a second. I do hope it was a fantastic voyage. Coolio is dead. (laughs) Yeah. Can you believe it? Coolio. Oh, I got to go back and record. That's how you know we do this live. Breaking news. That's right. Jeez. Great grief, Lost my train man. of thought. We're going with this. Oh, all right. The other one that <clears throat> uh, IPS and others have been pushing this week is sh- given the state of the weather. And I'm going to first say disclaimer. I have no idea what this hurricane is going to do. I don't know what this game is going to do. And I don't think anybody else does too. Everybody's weather app is wrong. All their weather apps are stupid. They don't know until the last possible second. <laughs> Stop comparing weather apps. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter. We don't know what's going to happen. We've seen these things happen. Take dramatic shifts. It's let's not pretend like we know what was going to happen. So, but that bearing in mind, we do know it's probably going to rain. It's probably going to be windy. And so people are suggesting. Let's throw Jack Chambers in there, make him a healthy part of this game plan. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about going into the most uh, important game in forever with Jack Chambers, your backup quarterback, as uh, a key piece of your game plan or however it was phrased? Well, you know, I'm not going to lie and say that I didn't think over the last few days that if the if we had another Notre Dame hurricane type game that it would benefit Clemson more because they at least have Shipley and 
DJ to just run and pound it on the ground and try to be kind of multiple from that where, you know, Devin Leary is not going to be really a part of the run game. And so it's not that I wasn't thinking about it, but at the same time, like I think the weather would have to be pretty, pretty bad to have to be thinking that that should be a part of the game plan. And even if the weather was bad, I'd like to like see a series or two, I guess, of Devin out there trying to throw because like, I don't know. There's been a lot of, I haven't paid it. Maybe I haven't paid attention to him as much as I think I have, but there's been a lot of really, really bad weather NFL games that I've seen. And like, you can still semi pass the ball, a lot of short routes, intermediate stuff. And I would much more trust my current quarterback to handle 10 yards and in type routes in really bad weather than, than Jack Chambers at this time. And like my other concern is so far when Jack Chambers has been in the game, I haven't seen anything to suggest that, you know, and probably because they're hiding the playbook, which is fine. But like, even when he's scrambling and trying to make something of nothing, like he's got like seven yards in the, in the crap time that he's played in. So I haven't seen anything that suggests that like, Oh yeah, the weather's really bad. Let's just go to the running quarterback. Like I get the concept. I just don't know if that makes sense yet. Now, would I be shocked if we had some packages where we put him in the game and let him do that? Sure. That's what we do with Jalen McClendon. Like everyone says that like, Oh, Jalen McClendon was in that Notre Dame game all this time. It's like, "Mm, he was actually in there for like pretty limited amount of times. Like, it was it was situational and you know in the end that game was won because of defensive special teams so i just think it's kind of a i don't know it's not crazy to think it but it's just kind of i don't know there's just not enough data to su- suggest like he's not a power runner like and if the wet if the weather's that bad is is he going to be a factor like I don't know. Wouldn't you just go wildcat though? Like if that's what I would say. (laughs) Yeah. Like just put Demi back there and Michael Allen and let him go. What are we worried about? Jordan Houston and Demi. Like, yeah, here's the thing. Like, you know, there, the other thing someone was like saying, I, maybe someone mentioned it, but it's like Jeff Chambers hasn't been taking on a bunch of snaps, right? Like, you know, so, there is that factor of like, it's wet. It's awful. Like maybe the quarterback that's been taking the majority of the snaps should also be in the game. Just from that perspective. I mean, yeah. maybe they could be practicing under center. Like, look, if they, if they were going to go, okay, here's the thing. If they were going to do it and they were going to just run like triple option stuff, like just completely change the playbook. Yes. I will say then let's go for it. Let's get weird. Let's get wild. But like, to me, Devin Larry's got a hell of an arm. Like, I I would just really me I'd spread the field out and I would tell my my receivers to just go run verticals and I'm just going to heave the ball up and we just saw Clemson literally PI like 15 times against Wake Forest. Why wouldn't you do that? It doesn't matter if the if the weather sucks and the ball's not going to be catchable. If the official has to sit there and watch Clemson guys draping all over Ant Smith, Port uh Porter Rooks, Julian Gray, whoever 
that's better anyways. You know, and if they're not going to call it, then whatever. We'll we'll change at that point. But like, no, I don't think he should be like, you don't trot Jack Chambers out there right away. You know, unless he's like the second coming and we've just been hiding it. Yeah, I think that's. I, I don't know. I just, I just heard that and I'm just like, yeah, let's let's not do this. Let's not go there with that. Like, I don't want the ball in Jack Chambers hands when he just hasn't. He's just unproven that situation. Like I'm going to ride with Devin Leary as much as I've been riding Devin Leary about being bad this year. I think he can, I, I trust him more to throw screen passes and slants and the stuff we're going to do and just in general control the ball and control the game more than Jack Chambers in that situation. I mean, it's your biggest game in however however long, however you want to define it. Like, why are you going to – it just seems crazy to me. It seems crazy to me to, to put that, you know, as a, or to think that's going to be a reality. Yeah, I don't know. I just thought it was something we should address. Um, how are you feeling about this game in general? Like – Let's assume um, the weather is going to be manageable, rainy and windy like a normal day. Who does that play? Who's that favor? Does that favor Clemson? Does that favor State? I mean, if everyone's going to be relatively conservative and maybe just doing some RPO type stuff, like, I don't know. Both of these defenses are good. I think ours is better right now just based on what we saw. Clemson versus Wake. Um, it's, you know, someone was asking Dabo about, I can't believe I just said Dabo. I've always said Dabo. Um, they asked Dabo about like three or four of the guys that are injured right now and whether or not they're going to play and maybe that would impact things. Um, like, okay. Like we've got experience playing a hurricane. They've got experience playing a hurricane. It's at home. They at least have a mobile quarterback. Like they should win in that factor, but it's going to be wet. Turnovers are weird. We've been good on special teams. Like maybe that favorites us instead. Um, but who knows? Do we have our kicker? They probably have theirs. Their guy, like at least from listening to the broadcast of the weight game, their, their kicker seems to be well known, a well-known commodity. So if I have to try it out our backup kicker versus theirs in this kind of game and it's not 40 mile per hour wins, then like I'm probably going to favor them. They have like one of the longest home winning streaks out there. Like, so that favors them. So like, I don't think we should win, but I think we're, man, I just wish it was going to be like dry, perfect atmosphere. Right. And we could see if like we've really been like dialing everything back just for this game. Um, I don't know. I could just easily see us like having a couple pick sixes or fumble recoveries. And I don't know. This game could be like 14-12. I fully expect it to be something stupid. I guess my thought process has been if it's windy and wet and it's hard to throw I feel like that benefits us, but at the same time, I'd like them to, 
I'd like us to be able to force DJU to throw. I feel like our secondary is probably one of the better secondaries they're going to face. And it kind of plays into our favor, but at the same time, our run defense is also pretty damn good and, and probably our strong suit. So, you know, maybe keeping them more one-dimensional and just worrying about DJ running it. I, I don't know. I keep going back and forth on, on who ben, who's this benefit. I think for us, we can throw screens and slants and, you know, the quick passes that we're going to do in kind of rainy weather. Is Clemson going to be able to throw there? You know, they threw a, a bunch of, you know, middle deep stuff against Wake, even there in their overtime plays where DJU making plays, just running around their guys running the back of the end zone. I just, I, I can't decide who benefits more from this weather. I mean, if they're going to run the whole time, like, I mean, like they're number eight rush defense, we're number 10. Like, so to me, it's just going to come down to like who generates turnovers. And so let me see if we've got a quick uh, turnover. Uh, we'll just call it turnover gained. Uh, we'll see whose name pops up first. We're tied for 13th and they're tied for 36th. Seven versus, uh, let's see where state is, nine. Um, let's check turnover margin just in case. Like I look, I'm a little nervous because Houston and uh, Sumo have fumbled a couple times this year, right? That doesn't make me super confident. Um, you know, they're I think they're ahead of us in turnover margin. I'm scanning this really fast, so I mean, it's just gonna be a dumb luck game, is my guess. Um, you know, if if it ends up being like that, the it's like you know, rainy and the weather is like five to 10 mile per hour winds, right? That's probably relatively even for us at that point. Like they haven't really looked explosive on offense. Like the weight game watching, it was a lot of DJ making, you know, throwing up some balls and wide receivers just miraculously being there. And I think we are a much better defense than Wake Forest. So I don't know, man. I, I could see us win this game. Um, or I could see us lose by like a couple points. I don't think we're getting blown out. You know, unless the offense just never shows up. I think it could be something sloppy. Like I just, even with the weather, I think it's going to be one of those weird games. I feel like Clemson fans and their team is, and this is going to sound weird to say, but I feel like they're scared. They're, they're talking unnecessarily amounts of trash for a team. They don't care anything about. And I don't know. I just, I feel like they, they know we're good and I'm not saying we're good. We're going to win good. Cause you know, it's a road game going into their environment, blah, 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 but we're damn good. And I think, I think they know that. Yeah. It's weird how like up in their feels we are. Really? Like they're chirping at us and it feels like if I, I, to me, it feels good. I'm like, I'm just taking it back and kind of enjoying this. Cause you know, the, the underdog, they're the team with everything to lose. And you know, while it's a huge game for us and state's got everything to, to prove, I gotta, I, I feel like all the pressure's on them. And I think yeah. that's why they're, they're chirpy. 
I don't know. Yeah. I think all I want to see from this game is to treat them like the same old Clemson. Yeah. They've, they've stolen all your signals. They've tried to copy all your plays down so that the second you call something in, they can relay it in. Um, they don't have Brent Venables anymore, but I would treat them like they do. And I would just have someone run the call, especially if it's as, as bad as weather is. Have just someone just have someone run the call in every time. Take that away from them, pop out, and go. They're going to be sloppy. They're going to be jumpy. I think they're going to be on edge because of how they played against Wake Forest. Um, so like honestly, like we should play like we're an underdog, and we should like just push it wherever we can push it. Don't play afraid. Don't worry about the weather. Like be aggressive. Like I, I don't think you can win this game just being like we're going to run it the whole time. Um, yeah, their de- their defense is still pretty good. Yeah. You know, judging by that Wake Forest game, their secondary is not very good. And but you know, I don't know if how much that benefits us given our struggles throwing the ball and the weather. Like it's a bad combination. So does it let them hide their poor secondary? Oh, maybe. Uh, it's kind of interesting to me. I, I'm kind of on the fence. I'm just enjoying it though, right? It's state's top ten for the first time ever, and you you know <laughs> this this hurricane coming in, but it's huge primetime exposure. Yeah, I was about to say it's probably gonna be like everyone's gonna be watching it in some ways because it's gonna be so gross. Like people probably won't be able to turn away. Yeah, and they're not. You know, people aren't gonna be out in the southeast. Or people are gonna be inside. It's gonna be raining. You'll be watching football. You got game day. I don't know what game day is going to do. And then they, you know, ESPN announced a new Pat McAfee show, which he's got a huge audience of his own. So it's even more exposure. I don't know, man. I, I think it's, it's awesome, right? It, it feels really good to be in this position for once. Yeah. I just, I just looked right. Like the top 25 games that day, the only game that's, going to be counter-programming to us is Georgia-Missouri. Yeah. Then you got Pitt-Georgia Tech and way late USC and Arizona State. So, like, honestly, like, it it basically will be all eyes on us from a top 25 perspective. So, you know, that's what I'm saying. Like, just go out and have fun, man. Like, this would be an opportunity, like, just push the limits. You don't have to be crazy like Brian Kelly was. Right. But... Like, don't, don't be a coward out there, you know, unless they think that DJ is going to make a ton of mistakes. Like, I don't know. There's like a part of me that's just watching that Wake Forest game and it's like, Wake should have won that game. Um, you know, there was some, some pretty extremely clutch plays that DJ made in particular that I don't think he can kind of keep making all season, especially not against a better defense, so. I mean, Tony Gibson looked like he was like licking his chops, thinking about the dude. Game. The Tony Gibson presser was my favorite. He's like, <laughs> I was watching it and he's talking about how good DJU is, and he's saying it with like a sly smile, like he knows, like we're gonna pick this son bitch off six times. <laughs> like it just, <laughs> I don't know, it's something about his face, like and how he was speaking. I was just like, man, that's that dude's confident right now. I just you wish know, he, our offense had that confidence. Yeah, right. Seriously. Like, I don't even care if they make they would make mistakes. If they, like, literally came out and said, like, yeah, we're going to, quote, unquote, take what you give us, but we're also going to take what we want. <laughs> that would be awesome. 
That's what my that would be my presser speech if I was a head coach getting hired. That's that's what I would say. Almost right. as good as Wisconsin Oregon's baby. Oh, still waiting for that baby. Damn stork. I'm gonna play this call from Ed. Ed from LA is in the hey house. Guys. How you doing? It's Ed from uh, you know where. Um, well, um, got some thoughts about this week's game. I uh, don't think we learned anything last week uh, against UConn, except uh, thank goodness nobody got injured. Um, honestly, I I don't think we're going to win this game. I am not sold on NC State's offense being able to rip the throat out of an opponent. Um, if if State had beaten ECU with those inside the one yard line drives and scored TDs on both of them and won the game 35 to 20, I would be picking State. Um, I do not believe we will beat Clemson. They're used to the bright lights, the big stage, the ESPN college game day. They're used to all that. It doesn't phase them. But I will tell you this. There's a guy on the Pack Pride uh, poster board that said, stop Shipley, make the quarterback beat us, and run the ball with some play action. I think that is the way to keep it close. So go Pack. Don't think we're going to win. I think Clemson wins. Bye. This is devastating news that Ed from L.A. is on the Pack Pride boards. I think he's just trolling. I think he's just reading. Uh, I, I think he's, you know, he's skeptical. I get it. A lot of state fans are. It is a big moment for us. But again, I think the, all the pressure is on Clemson. Everybody's expecting, expecting Clemson to win the ACC. Everybody expected Clemson to go to the playoff. Clemson's top five. Clemson's favor. All the pressure is on Clemson. And I hope our team and our coaches are – you know, perpetuating that me- uh, that message through, you know, everywhere. Just saying, hey, hey, you know, guys, we are, let's go have fun. Let's go play with our backs against the wall. And this is what I always said, hey, I want to be Utah. Utah always some, seems to come through in these moments. So whatever yeah. Willingham's doing or Whittingham's doing at Utah, like he gets it. He gets their, those guys hands playing in the, the way you should. <laughs> hands, in, <laughs> hands in the book. Like he gets those guys playing the way they should be in this situation. And I I hope we get some of that. I know the apprehension a lot of state fans have right now being, you know, being good. And, and we've talked about it. It's okay to be good. It's okay to feel confident, but I know there's some apprehension going into this game, but all the pressure is on Clemson. There's no pressure, pressure on us. Yeah. What annoys me is, this weird, like I saw this earlier today and I was going to make a big deal about it. I was like, oh, we're probably podcasting, so I'll talk about it then. But like there was a segment on ESPN today with like, I don't know why Paul Feinbaum is being asked about the ACC, but Paul Feinbaum and Heather Dinich are on there and they're talking about what it means if, if Clemson loses this game. And they were like, oh, it's it's uh, it's terrible news for Clemson and Heather Dinch was like, oh, well, they would be hanging from a cliff as far as the playoff is concerned. And not one of them said like, well, I guess if they lose, it means top 10 NC State is maybe one of the best teams in the country. And maybe they should be in the playoff contention. So there's a part of me that just beyond being a fan for NC State really hopes we win this game so that we can just disrupt this crazy narrative right now that basically says that you just have to shoe in you know, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, and Michigan as the top four teams. Like, I haven't seen anything from Michigan that's actually impressive. They haven't actually beat anyone worth a shit. So, like, if we win this weekend, like, we better be talked about as a top four team. 
because no one else has that on their resume. No one has a big win on the road, let alone on the road. Exactly. In a terrible game, terrible weather. And you know what? We'd get to go right back next week and play FSU who will either be four and O or whatever they're going to be, I guess four and O or five and I can't remember where they are in their schedule because they're playing Wake Forest this weekend. And if they play and we beat them too, it's like, all right, what else do you need to get guys need to see? Like, an ACC team is out here trucking teams. Give them the reward. Like, but will you needed a missed field goal to beat ECU? Like that's the, that's what everybody is. That's the so everybody's what? entire argument. Texas yeah. should have beat Alabama. Like if Texas had their players, Alabama would have lost. Like yeah. Alabama doesn't look that special right now. Like thanks a lot, Bill O'Brien. You're finally turning out to be who we thought you were. We want like, Bama. You know, I I just I don't want to hear it. Alabama, yeah. hey, Georgia barely beat Kent State. You know, maybe they're not number one. I'm joking, but like, you know what? Like, who cares? Week one, who else played like a really hard uh, in-state rival on week one and had a tougher game than they expected? Who cares? If we go out and beat Clemson, I I don't care. I don't think USC has done anything that special. Kentucky hasn't done anything that's really special. Oh, you beat Florida? Yeah, guess what? Florida sucks, okay? You know? Who else is in there? Oklahoma State? Get out of here. If we win this game, we should be number five minimum. I agree. I agree. Should take their spot. I, you know, I agree with you on Michigan. I think they're good. And then you just got to hold out. Got to hold out until the college football playoff committee comes around. Because, you know, Boo Corrigan, if you got a number five NC State team in the AP polls, I mean, that, that dude better be working the system than to get us ahead of, of Michigan. Like, Michigan, please. Come on. Jim Harbaugh's a has-been. College Love football it. playoff wants new blood. All right, I got a, got a couple questions here from some people. I've been saving them. It was asked last week. Rank these coaches who you think is the best. There's a bunch of job openings right now. Jeff Collins, Scott Frost. Oh. All the way around. <laughs> Rank these coaches. Jamie Chadwell, Mike Elko, Sean Clark, Dave Clawson, Mike Houston. That's a tough list. Well, I don't even know who Sean Clark is. So App State coach. Okay. Uh, Jamie Chadwell. Let me say something while you're thinking about this. App State. Somebody had brought this up earlier. At least brought up Sean Clark earlier. He's a product of a program. That program, since Jerry Moore, has been good. Everybody who's been in there has won to some level. Drink, Satterfield, Sean Clark. And and App State should have lost. They should be one and three right now. <laughs> so there's that. I, I'm going to put him at the bottom of the list for you. Go ahead. Hey, Evan, he's beat Texas A&M and we haven't. Okay. Yeah, on the road. I get it. Uh, actually, let me revise this. I think Dave Clawson is the best on this list. Then I'd put Jamie Chadwell. Um, give me my other three names. Mike Elko, Sean Clark, and who was the fifth one? Mike Houston, ECU coach. Yeah. Um, oof. Then I'd say Mike Houston. Then I'd say... How long has Sean Clark been at App State? Since Drink... Uh, since Satterfield left. Or yeah. Drink, whoever was before him. It's been a couple of years. I'm going to rank him ahead of Elko just because, like... I mean, Elko's beat Northwestern. Like, who effing cares? Like, that's not that impressive to me. Um, and he lost to Kansas. 
Who also should be in the top 25, okay? Agreed. I put him in, in my pod, poll. Pod chat, tw- top 25, yep. I had him at 23 or 24 in my poll. I can't remember where it was. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so, like, here's the thing. If Dave Dorn retired at the end of the season, after we have won the ACC championship game, um, we've won our berth into the college football playoff. There's really nothing more he could do for us. Um, the first call I would make is Dave Clawson. Like, I just like what he does. Um, and I'd love to see what he does at a program that has a little bit more uh, cachet. Um, second would be Jamie Chadwell. Third would be... I'm gonna. Ha- I would have to say Clark at this point because at least he's put together a more fun offense than the other two. Uh, then I would do Mike Houston, and then I would do Mike Elko, um, because I think you need offense to win. And like, it's great that we've got like everything rolling right now with Tony Gibson, but I I just can't imagine what this team would look like if it was like Tony Gibson's defense with Jamie Chadwell's offense. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I we talked about this in the chat. If if something if Dave hung it up, whatever, and Tony Gibson took over, which I think would be a real possibility, I would bet he would have a fun brand of offense, like yeah, similar to his defense. It would be like balls out, you know. Like we're gonna, yeah. I think it would be it'd be interesting. I don't I don't know what it'd be, but that'd be my guess. I think he feel, I, he feels like that kind of coach. Yeah, I'd just be shocked if. Like, I don't think he would have a conservative offense by any means. Like, it's not his personality. And, like, I just don't... I don't know. Maybe behind the scenes, he's, like, the same with uh, opinion of Dave, which is, like, let's minimize the reps for the defense. Like, I get that. But you know what minimizes reps for your defense? Like, when your defense is really good and the offense can go up and and, and score and take time off the clock and, and do it in a, a right. efficient manner. So... I don't know, but my my problem is like, man, I just really I'm tired of seeing us with like defensive coaches as head coaches. Yeah, you know? he's he just seems to be one of one of those guys that you don't know what his offensive philosophy would be. I think it would be kind of a wild card. I don't know, like just thinking back on it, it's like I guess I have to give Dave props. Like he got weird with Matt Canada. He wanted who was it? Like Matt Wells initially. I can't remember who it was. It was Matt Wells, correct. Yeah. And, and Lashley. And like he at Northern Illinois was like, I'm going to have a running quarter. I, we've got a running quarterback. We're going to keep doing this. You know, and that, that's the thing I've just never understood is we never recruited the guys that fit the systems that he said he wanted to run here. Well, they tried with Bryant Sheriffs. He was that post Northern Illinois running guy, but he couldn't throw either. So and he <laughs> wasn't that fast. That me, man. Yeah. I mean, Jaco- like, again, like I would take Jacoby Brissett, Brissett every day of the week because like he's exactly what I wanted. Like you could have games like that UNC game and you can have games like pretty much every other one where he actually threw the ball. And yeah. like if you had paired him up a quarterback like that with any of Dave's teams, except for the 2019 team, like afterwards i mean like if he was there for the bradley chubb years and things like that like boy like could have been something special and Mm -hmm. so 
that's just what's been weird. It's just like, I've really MJ Morris and Jack Chambers are really the first times we've really come back to that since we abandoned the, the Jalen McClendon experiment. That's true. I, I, I would probably put Jamie Chadwell top of my list. I, I know Clawson has done and it's been impressive at wake. I feel like he's gotten some breaks have gone his way. Yeah. But sometimes and, like if you keep getting breaks, like you must be good. I get it. Yeah, I get it. I think, to me, the upside and the risk are both higher with Chadwell, and I'd go for it. And I think he would be a perfect fit with MJ Morris. So that that's why I would go that that route. I think it would be really good. Can you imagine if State pulled out the slow mesh, though? Holy cow. See, the question is, is whether he would do the slow mesh here. Like, I mean, he said that he developed that slow mesh because he just felt like they needed it. Right. You know what I mean? Like, that's... Shit, I wouldn't care. I'd love it. Whatever. You saw me break down the tape for Wake Forest. It'd be great. I could tell you tell you every play that was about to happen. Yeah, score some points. I can tell you every play that's going to happen right now, though. Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> A lot less explosive, but... Uh, before I get into this next question, which is unrelated to sports, how? what's your general feeling about this Clemson game? Before the season, I said we are losing this game. Just, I mean, it just, yeah, the data backs that up. So, but you know what, man, watching four games this season and just knowing that last year, at least at the beginning of the game, we tried to implement all the stuff we kept saying on the pod that they should be doing for that game. I'm going state. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like this is a weird year we've got a hurricane we've won in a hurricane more recently than they have by a, by a year <laughs> so yeah i'm taking us hurricane experience i like it yeah i will say before the year i thought they would have a qb controversy i think at this point i thought they'd be working in club nick and that would benefit us because it would be right about this time when they would need a quarterback to stabilize. And they uh, they haven't. DJU's been solid enough against no defenses, so we'll see what we can bring and what looks we can we can do to confuse them. you got to get him down. I think that Wake showed that. They were like dry humping his leg while he was throwing passes for two-point conversions in, in overtime. And it doesn't work. He's too big. He's too strong for that. I think this team will make an concert uh, an effort to contain Shipley like we did last year. I think that is going to be the focus. They do have uh, two other backs, Mafa and Pace, I believe, and, and they're both they're all solid. Yeah. But it plays into our strength, you know. I think this game's going to be weird. I think it's going to be close. I wonder how much the, the over-under has moved. It was 42 at one point. 44, maybe. Wonder right if now. Weather has dropped it, but I don't know. I don't have a bad feeling about it. I don't think we're going to magically unveil some 40 and a half new offensive playbook, you know, but I, I don't think the weather is going to impede what we've been doing so far on offense. Yeah. That's my thought. I don't know. I, I mean, here's my thought. I don't think DJ is really that much better than he was last year. Like he's played Georgia tech. Guess what? They just fired their coach. 
Yeah. He's played Furman. He's played Louisiana Tech. And he's been played Wake Forest, who, despite being a top 25 team, has been an abysmal defense year over year. Right. And he's done plenty against. And that was a game where they had to keep up shooting on 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 offense. You know, and you like look at his numbers. It's like, OK, Georgia Tech, 19 for 32 for 210 and one. And then Furman, 21 for 27 for 231, two and one. Louisiana Tech, 1729, 221 for two. And then he plays Wake Forest, 26 for 41, which isn't that great, 63%. 371, five touchdowns. Like, yeah, that looks great. You know, but like a really good DJU should have been ripping these other teams to shreds. And so I I think these teams are very similar. Yeah. I mean, they didn't play an SEC team this year to like really see like what he can do. You know, like that's where I kind of come away from this saying like, come on, you know, he averaged one and a half yards per carry against Georgia Tech and three yards per carry against Wake. Like he hasn't played a defense like this. So that's where I kind of just sit here and say like, It's it's much more balanced, I think, than people are giving. And I guess if they were on a neutral field, right, like right now, I guess it would be like about maybe they're like a three point favorite or so. Um, the over under is at 40 and a half. Right. So it's not going to be a high scoring game. So. Like, who does that really favor at this point? Like, I, I almost like neither team, I would think. But I've seen, in theory, more clutch drives out of Devin Larry than I have out of DJU. So maybe that's what it comes down to. Maybe clutch activates for for Devin. I think these teams are very similar. Everything you just said about DJU is very much Devin Leary. Like both of them have a top end that they have not gotten to. Right? We've seen it out of Devin more than we've seen it out of DJ. But I think both these teams are Good defense, good run game. Quarterback still has some some stuff to prove to me. So it should be interesting, man. I, I'm really excited about this game. I know a lot of people are anxious and nervous, but to me, I'm excited about it. I'm, I'm ready for this game to roll. Uh, more breaking news. Aaron Judge has hit home run 61. Hey, guess what? I don't care. I know. <laughs> I know you wouldn't. That was right. infuriating. Yeah, I don't they know kept if- cutting in. <laughs> like entire drives to watch someone at like, dude, this is 2022. We have a billion ways to go see this history happen whenever yeah. we want. Yeah. Oh, you know what? And he's probably on roids anyways. Yeah, they all are. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> Like, I'm sorry. Mark McGuire did it. Didn't Sammy Sosa do it? In the same season? Like, I don't care. Did you see a video on the pod chat? Somebody posted a video of a Clemson DB being forced to wear boxing gloves so it would stop holding. It's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> so at least we know what to expect this week. He's going to get Yo, punched. Put put Ant Smith on, on that guy. Yeah, on 20 that guy. or 22, whichever it was. Oh, my God. Just put him in. Just let him run and go rats. Just be like, hey, Ant. I don't even know if we're even going to throw the ball at you, but just keep running down there and get that holding at least. That was insane. 
All right, here's a life question for you before we get out of here. We haven't had one of these in a while. Mahesh has been slacking. What have you learned in evaluating job opportunities? What is the best advice you have for evaluating who you would be on be working with boss company or I think you have your own business you can speak of from your perspective? Oh, who you'd be working with. So what have you learned in evaluating job opportunities? Interesting question. I was thinking about this one last week. Yeah, couple it's a days. tough one for me because I've been with my company for almost 14 years. Yeah. But let's see. Why don't you go first? Um, I'll I'll think back on this for a second. I think what is best advice you have for evaluating who you'd be working with? To me, it's something I deal with a lot with, you know, hiring contractors or hiring um, employees. I want somebody who's going to be able to think for themselves, right? I want somebody who I don't have to babysit uh, as an employee, right? That's kind of what I look for. Somebody who can get their work done. And, you know, as on the converse, as a boss, I want somebody who's not going to, would not hover over me. I left the corporate world after being in it for a very short period of time because I had one of those bosses who wouldn't let you question him, wouldn't let you do anything. And I was like, F this, I can do this better on my own. I went and did it on my own. That's what I've been doing ever since. You know, for me, it's, it's, and it's always hard to evaluate people during job interviews or evaluate a company, you know, beforehand, you know, so it's honestly, it's kind of a crapshoot. I'm not, I'm not sure I have a great answer for that. Like, I, to me, I'm like, look, look at what they, what they do and what their values are. I know people will say like our values are this, but they do their actions meet up with it. One of the companies that I like to follow is, um, Basecamp. It's a project management tool. Uh, they created email and some other things. And, uh, Jason Fried is the, one of the founders and I, I really like his philosophy on, on things. Right. And it's, they took back for, for example, one of the things they did for a while there, they were giving you money for like gym memberships and these things and time and all that stuff and all these perks. And then at one time they just took them all back. And you're like, at first, like, damn, why would they do that? And he's like, well, I want to interfere less in your lives. Do whatever you want. I'll give you more money. So they raise everybody's salary to compensate for losing those perks. And basically said, I'm not going to interfere in your daily life. Do the things that are interesting to you. Do the thing. Here's what we write. You know, there's this kind of stuff that we do. We want you to have a healthy life. We want you to have a good balance to me that, you know, somebody who does something like that, that speaks a lot to me. I don't want somebody who's going to, you know, force certain things on you or whatever. I thought that was to me when, when that happened, I was like, Oh man, that's really, I, I really respect that as a, you know, as a potential boss or employer or whoever, like I thought that was a really bold move. Like to be nowadays, everybody wants you to buy in. You got to be a team player, right? You got to be in on all this stuff. And I think it's the opposite to me. I tell my guys, get your work done. I don't care what you do when you do it. If it gets done on schedule, it gets done right. Then, you know, more power to you. Like you can do it in four hours. You don't have to work 40 hours. Like That to me is kind of what I, would look for in return from a boss is like that kind of mutual respect that I'm not going to hover over you. I don't need to impart my morals and beliefs and all this other stuff. Like that's not me. Right. And 
I, that's what I would look for, right? Just that something I can kind of relate to, you know? Yeah. I don't know. That's kind of a yeah. long-winded answer that I'm not sure, but yeah. I would I would say from an employee perspective, um, like I've been blessed. I've like I said, I've been with our company for almost 14 years, and I've I would say I'd gladly work under any manager I've had. I was in a leadership program for over two years, and I had a ton of roles. I think I ended up having eight or nine jobs inside of what was supposed to be four rotations. So I got a lot of exposure that way. Um, I would say for managers, you know, look for someone that kind of uh, (laughs) manages to, I don't know how to say this. Like I was going to say like your love languages, but like you really need someone that manages in a way that corresponds to how you need to be managed or coached. So if you're someone that really needs that kind of oversight, unlike what Evan was saying, right? That needs that kind of micromanaging, like find someone that is a micromanager. Um, If you're someone that, you know, you need a boss that you can vent to um, and they will listen to it and then give you constructive feedback or just let you understand that you were just getting some off your chest and let you keep going and be self-sufficient, like find someone that allows that in their team. Um, I think it's really important. Like all the managers that I've, I've had are, were really supportive uh, for me and allowing me to kind of, kind of own the job and responsibilities, how I wanted to own them and would let me chase down special projects and let me get kind of lost in the weeds when it was appropriate. Um, so I, I've gotten really lucky there. And I would say as far as like coworkers or trying to find a team that you want to work on, like interview the team as well. So like when you're there meeting with the manager and going through the interview, you'd be like, Hey, I'd like to go like talk with folks on the team and like, see what kind of people they are. See if they're kind of the, a, a group of, you know, if they're inclusive or not. Um, and whether that matters to you. So like you really need to understand yourself and what you want. Like my current team is I'm the youngest person on the team and I'm 37. Um, (laughs) Right. And so, but all the guys on our team are like pretty uh, fun and enjoyable to be around. But when you really need some guidance, like they have years and years of experience. And so like, I really appreciate that from, from my view, because if I need something, I can go to them and I know it's not them, you know, shooting off the hip about something like they've, they've seen it. They've been in this organization or this industry for a long time. So like, understand what's important to you and like, be patient. Like if, (laughs) if you go to an interview and you meet the hiring man, or if the hiring manager is your actual manager and, and they like, you're not going to jive with them. Like it's okay to, to pass on an opportunity. Um, same thing if like it's a if it's a team full of vipers that you're going to be working with and and that's not a good environment for you like don't don't go work there um so like try to try to be a little picky but like when you're getting interviewed like make sure you're interviewing the person interviewing you as well and interviewing their team and understanding like who you're going to really be around um and you know like when you're talking to like the team if you get that opportunity 
just be like, hey, like, how has the how has the manager like fought for you guys in the past? Have there been any things like coming down from upper management that that they protected you from or supported you during? Like, what's it like when something goes wrong? Like, how do they treat if you miss a number, miss a quote, like whatever? Um, it'll be a little different probably for Mahesh because he's gonna be in a completely different field. Like, and <laughs> this is from somebody else, psychopaths basically. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that's 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 kind of how I would approach it. Like if I was looking for a job now, I have to be careful because my boss listens to these pods. That's getting right. So you should be saying nice stuff about your boss. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I my boss has been my mentor for almost 14 years. So like we have a pretty crazy, <laughs> we have a very unique uh, relationship already. Um, and even then, like, you know, he has got to really push really hard to get through to me at a lot of times. Um <laughs> But like if it was me, if I was looking around, like those are the criteria I would be using. Like I, I have a really good team. I've been blessed with a really good team at work and I wouldn't leave to, to go to an environment where I'm like, oh man, I'm working with a bunch of dildos. Like, you know, so just, just take your time. I know that's hard to hear for a lot of people, but you know, if you can try to be picky, um, it'll, it'll be worth it. Yeah, it's it's one it's an interesting question, man. Like it's I don't know I don't know. Like I'm in a different stage of my life where I don't I I don't have time for bullshit, right? And like I did some I did some work for a company recently and it was in like under under a white label. And one of their people sent me put this in your email signature. I was like, no, mm. I'm not going to do this. And then, you know, it was like, well, you need to update this and, and then add your pronouns to your bio. I'm like, no, I'm not going to do this. Like, and like, those are things that are like red flags to me. I get you want everybody to buy into your culture and that's kind of what they were forcing. But at the same time, that no, like that's not how I define myself. I'm not doing this because you want me to. Right. And I never did it. And <laughs> then I was like, all right, this is not going to work for us. Like I don't, and it should have been a red flag for me from the beginning because they worked very much the same way. And it was one of those places. And I know we've all been at them or I've seen them where it's, Yay, we love this place. We love Company X. We, you know, this is our life, blah, blah, yeah. blah. And like, and then it, not me, man. You know, when I'm out the door, I'm out the door. I don't want to hear your work <laughs> stuff. I want to hang out with my kids. I want to play golf. I want to do these other things. Like, I don't, I'm not being defined by a company. So I, I know a lot of people are and they like that camaraderie, so to speak, but that's not me. So I'm in a little bit different place. I, I look for people who are going to be real. If I was going to a job interview right now, I would l- probably look at social media and see what other people are saying or doing around that place. Like other employees, you know, they have, all have their socials out there and whatnot. And just try to understand like who, who would I be working with? And are they, you know, do they, do I jive with them because I don't have time for people's nonsense and yeah. And how they commute, if they don't communicate well, you know, those are kind of things that I look for. Like you should be able to write me a 
three sentence email rather than scheduling a meeting for a meeting for 30 minutes, like stuff like that. Like, can you communicate? Do these people talk or is it, you know, kind of disingenuous and you can get that vibe, I think really quickly. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And you, yeah, you hit on a thing that was always a pet peeve for me was, yeah, like the, um, the, the email signature police is, is, is super frustrating. We've seen it at times a lot with my company because, well, we've like constantly changed our names over time. People are like, well, you got to change your, your signature. You can't say that. I'm like, who cares, man? Like yeah. this name's going to change in six months. It's not going to impact anything. My customers don't care. Like I remember, I remember one time I picked up a phone call and I just said, hello, you know, instead of uh, blah, 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 blah. This is Will. And this person like chewed me out for like 30 seconds. And I was like, listen, bud, like you better have something important. You're about to ask me because I'm about <laughs> to hang this up. Like, I, I don't care. Yeah. Like you caught me in the middle of something and I'm saying hello. And you're our company phone number. I know you're one of our people. So you meant to call me. What's up? Yeah. And you know, if you get somewhere and they're giving you that vibe, like I, yeah, I'd bounce out of that. That's why you say that thing about the pronouns thing. It's like, if you want to put that in your in your thing, more power to you. But like, yeah, I, I really hate like forced yeah. things of that nature. It's Very like if f- it's important to you, say it. But don't 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 force us all to say something if we don't really care. Like, I don't care. I don't care what yeah. you call me. Like, it's very it's rah rah. And I just have never never. I'm not into that. Yeah. yeah. The, the one thing to you kind of said, like, I don't know if you said it was like looking out for like disingenuous stuff, but like those social media presences where everyone is like talking with a marketing focus. Yeah. That's a red flag to me. Like, yeah. So that's a good thing. Yeah. If, if everyone like will keep it real with you and if you find a good team and good managers, like they'll keep it real with you. Yeah. And and, like the thing too, is like when you're interviewing, like do some research on that company too. Like, I know it sounds boring, but go, go read some 10 K's and public filings and like understand like where you're going to go work. And then when you're in the middle of those interviews, just be like, you know, I was reading through this uh, financial statement and I'm kind of curious, like why is this project important to this company? And like they'll one think you're sharper than most candidates right away. And two, if they have something to say about it and it's actually an interesting conversation that gets comes out of it, it, it'll be good for you to kind of see what they say. So you know, do a little research before you go into those interviews. Yep. It'll, it'll, it'll pay off. Yeah. If you're, if you're not in a position to be picky, then at least understand what you're getting into <laughs> and keep your, keep your options open. Like, I mean, yeah. Are the benefits good? Are they going to pay you? Like, yeah. is it just a job? Then it's okay for it to just be just a job. And I'm with you, man. Like after a certain time, an hour, I guess I can't really talk. Cause it was like seven 30 when you texted me and you were like, are you, do you want a podcast? I was like, I'm just finishing with work, but like being able to turn off and go have your life and then turn back on in the morning and turn back on after the weekend to me is really important. Um, I'm always there if my customer needs me, but at the same time, like I'm not going to read emails over the weekend, not until Sunday. Like I'm not doing it. Yeah. I like one of the things I've done back in the day and stuck with it is I've blocked my, my Fridays from meetings and it allows me to do work or play or do whatever I want, but it just, I don't get people 
booking meetings at the last minute before the weekend when it's not going to be productive. And then I got to think about it all weekend. <laughs> Honestly, it's just, it, it's really saved my sanity. And I suggested to more people, like at least like block maybe more hours. If you need me to schedule a meeting with you, I'll, I will send you a meeting invite so you can do that. But it's one of those things that is to me is, has helped tremendously. And I'm, it also forces me to do more work on Thursday. So, Well, I'm going to say though, man, like, Sometimes that Friday afternoon meeting is like truly an emergency and it drives yeah. me nuts Yeah, because everyone does that. And I'm just like, oh, I, I don't want to be that guy, but right. it's four o'clock on Friday and I really actually do need to talk to you. Um, one of the thing are, I will just say like a general good, good practice to that point about blocking meetings is we block off. Um, I think it's like one to four o'clock on Wednesdays. Mm-hmm. And it's like basically unless it's customer focused or your team really needs to have a meeting like that's your that's your time to just get stuff done yeah um i think a lot of people should implement that i agree all right that's our life advice section i always i always like to we haven't gotten those questions in a while so thanks for thanks for bringing that one back up um as an old guy i like to impart my wisdom on people who ask questions and also fully max out your 401k yeah and uh (laughs) Uh, yeah anyway as always thanks for listening enjoy the week of being top 10 team enjoy the excitement of this game and what it means to us and being in the spotlight let's try not to be skeptical let's try not to be negative and, and just enjoy it and, and hope for the best that's kind of where I'm, I'm gonna leave this week and i'm gonna go into saturday hopefully win not too anxious just ready to watch a good game. And I hope the team is that same attitude. Yeah. And ignore the fact that for the first hour and 15 minutes of this podcast, we were pretty negative. Yeah. No. <laughs> well, we were just picking them. I mean, that's what we're supposed to do. Right. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, as always go pack, go pack. I was raised by the wall